Once upon a time, what is it about those words that have such magic to us that we know we're about to hear a good story? There is so much power in story. I believe God designed us, hardwired us up to respond to story. In fact, instead of, you know, giving us a, a list of just kind of commandments or, or just a theological textbook, textbook, what God gave us was his story, which is the Bible, the story of how God created us to have a relationship with him, but our sins separate us from him. Sins cannot be removed by just good deeds alone, but that Jesus came to pay the price that we could not pay so that we can be restored into relationship with God. There's something about story that is just so, so powerful. You know, in our lifetimes, Kristen and I, there's been times where we, we have shared our stories with others, and, and it has made such a difference. You know, a couple big moments in our life. One was the first couple years of our marriage, we struggled with infertility. And Kristen, I remember back then, she's like, you know, I want to share my story. So she started this blog about it, and I just looked today, she has 1,386 followers on her blog where she chronicled that whole journey. And I remember even there were times when there were people in her life who said, uh, you're being a little too raw and real. But she's like, this is my story. This is who I am. And we have four beautiful children now, but she will still have people who read her story uh, of the pain of that season and, and contact her and, and say, hey, you don't know me, but can you pray with me or can you talk with me? I've shared before how when we were living in Wisconsin, our daughter Rebecca was born not breathing for 12 minutes and I watched her gray, lifeless body as the nurses worked on her and, and I thought, man, she's stillborn. And then they whisked her away to the new natology uh, department and they put on this cooling therapy and we shared our story. And that story was passed on. And, and next thing we knew, there were churches in Thailand and Cambodia and Brazil and Argentina and around the world that were praying for our little girl because that story went out and that story had impact. And, and then God healed her and people still talk about that. And then this summer, I just, one day at five o'clock in the afternoon, I, I tweeted out, and I had just a handful of Twitter followers, and I just shared, man, I'm so tired, so tired of taking hits as a pastor in the middle of a pandemic, so tired of people leaving, tired of anxiety and worry. I've been in vocational ministry for 19 years. This has been by far the hardest year of my ministry life on June 24th. And that story somehow resonated, and 2,400 people loved my tweet, and 476 other pastors told me they were praying for me. And 189 other pastors retweeted saying they're feeling the same. Pastors like Matt Chandler from Texas reaching out, hey, can I pray for you? Because there's power in story. And when we share, here's what's going on with me, people connect to our stories. Our stories of celebration, our stories of loss, our stories of pain. What kind of story are you living today? Do you share your story with others? We're in this series where we're talking about the spiritual habits, and as we wrap up this series, the S on habits is share your story. We've been talking that Jesus invites us to follow him 
He says, come follow me to, to be his Talmudim. We said that's a word that can be translated as disciple, follower, or I like the word apprentice. We are apprenticing ourselves to Jesus. And as his apprentices, we want to be with Jesus. We want to become like Jesus and then to do the things that Jesus did. And we've said that sticking with the right habits help you get real results. And the goal of being an apprentice of Jesus is transformation. Kind of our, our theme verse for this six-week series has been 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We've said that what we do on a regular basis, we become. The things we do do something to us. That change the joint effort between God and us. God has a part to play, but we have a part to play. That God has a vision for our life, but he's a gentleman. He's going to invite us to become that which he's declared us to be, to become that which he has a vision for us. Dallas Willard says it this way, that grace isn't opposed to effort, grace is opposed to earning. We don't earn our salvation or our standing with God, but we need to put some effort in. And just like there's some physical habits that help us get healthier, some financial habits that can help us get out of debt and be healthier financially, there's some spiritual habits. We said it's not about trying, it's about training. So real quick, let's go through those spiritual habits one more time. The H is hanging out with other believers. We've said again, during this time, man, we can feel so very alone. It's, it's so easy because we're gripped by fear, we're doing so much life maybe behind computer screens. And we've said that during this time, we've got to continue connect with other believers. That might be gathering here on a Sunday morning, wearing your mask, being socially distant. That may mean joining us online, participating in the chat. And I've got the chat pulled up here uh, right now. And uh, I love, I can see, you know, Rachel and, and Wendy and Charlie and, uh, and Mike Berg, Jeremy, uh, commenting in the chat. Like, again, that's one way you can hang out with other believers is actually respond in the chat here. If I didn't say your name, let me know that you're watching uh, on our chat. So I can be like, yeah, you're here. That's great. You can request prayer. You can participate in our Alpha group online. You can, our Wednesday night Bible study online. Uh, maybe you want to start a new group, but we need to still be in community with others. We said you need to be active in your church. This is not the time to completely pull back and, and be a lone ranger Christian. We said that there's, you know, almost 61 another's in the New Commandment, or in the New Testament, these one another commandments. You know, one of those is to bear one another's burdens. How do we do that? Well, we wear masks. That's one thing we do here. And can I be super transparent, like, wearing a mask is really, really hard for me. I was actually diagnosed this summer with anxiety condition um, after having panic attack in cub, in line, wearing a mask, where they almost had to call the ambulance for me. And, and part of that is just having my mouth and nose covered up gives me anxiety, and I can go into a panic attack. And so, but I can bear one of those burdens by, by wearing a mask as much as possible so that we can do what's best for everyone. You know, it, it, it's, it's not doing what's best just for us, but to bear one another's burdens. We talk about Bible engagement, that when we start our day with God's word, instead of starting with a news app or, or starting with social media or starting with email, we're starting with, with a good foundation to get God's 
word into us and position us in a place so the Holy Spirit can be the dominant influence in our life. We talked about investing financially in God's kingdom. It's not that God needs our money. It's that he wants us to be generous. He wants something for us, a generous heart to live open-handed towards others. And then we talked last week about talking with God, with, about prayer. And it was so great to have Rachel Jones and, and Sue Meggers share about just kind of their, their thoughts about prayer. And what I encourage you, if you're watching online or in person, if, if anything they said was helpful, uh, let me know. I can pass it on to them if you don't know them. Because um, I know so often people can, can second guess what they say when they're on stage. And, and I, I know, um, yeah, some of those ladies were just saying, I don't know if I said the right thing. I'm like, you did. That was amazing. So uh, again, I thought that was so good. And then today we're wrapping up by just sharing our story. Why do we exist as a church? Well, we exist as a church to help people love God, to serve others, and, and make disciples. That's our mission. And our vision is that our church will be a blessing to our community to help people know that Mosaic is a place where they can belong even before they believe. We do this so that ultimately people would believe that Jesus is Lord. Then we help them bring the good news of Jesus to their friends and neighbors. Our mission to go into all the world and make disciples from Matthew 28, 19 finds its roots in the original mission to go and be a blessing to others in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. This means that blessing others and seeing others come to know, love, and serve Jesus, they're linked together. From the very beginning, God's way of reaching and restoring the world has always been through blessing people so that they can be a blessing to others. Here's how we read about it in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, who's going to become Abraham when God changes his name, Go from your country, which is Babylon, and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is the original mission God gave Abraham. That he's going to bless him to be a blessing. And that's the original family through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But then that was expanded to the whole nation of Israel through Joseph and, 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 the, and the 12 tribes. And ultimately, Jesus came from that line to be a blessing to the whole world. And so how do we bless our community? Well, I covered this a couple years ago, and it's this great acronym. And so I go through this again. How do we bless our community? How do we be a blessing? Well, number one, we start with prayer. We begin with prayer. That's where it starts. We like to say around here that we believe that nothing of spiritual or significant, of spiritual significance happens without prayer. That is the foundation. It, it's the primary duty as followers of Jesus is prayer. It's not the only thing we do, but it's our primary duty to position ourselves under the authority of God to allow him to speak to us, to guide us, to be in connection with him, to to, to speak with him in conversation so that then he can guide us. Well, if we're going to be a blessing, we need to be praying for, for people who, that we know who are far from God. Who are the people that you work with who you know are far from God, that you live near in your neighborhood? The first step is, is praying that God would birth in them some spiritual curiosity. Second, the L there was we're going to listen to their stories. Before you can introduce people to Jesus of Nazareth. You need to listen to them. Listen to their, their hopes and their pains and challenges and dreams. In your interactions with others, take the posture of a learner. 
Lay down your assumptions and practice being present. This goes for social media. Here's the truth is I don't really believe that anyone's been argued into the kingdom of God. And you know what breaks my heart sometimes as a pastor? And I, I do this too sometimes, but when I see believers arguing about politics online, guys, our primary citizenship is to the kingdom of God. Our secondary citizenship is as Americans, and then Republicans or Democrats or Independents, whatever that might be. And I'm not saying you can't have disagreements. I'm not saying you can't have good conversations. But if you can articulate your political views better than you can articulate your citizenship as part of the kingdom of God, then we need to reevaluate some things. We need to know what do we stand for as sons and daughters of Jesus. And if our political views or anytime we argue is, is leading people away from Jesus and away from listening to them, then we need to reevaluate. Well, then the next step is to move from acquaintance to friendship is to eat together. That's how we can be a blessing. Monday night, we're having our neighbors over for dinner. Finally, some of our neighbors are behind us. And, you know, if you feel comfortable having people in your home that you kind of form these mini quarantine bubbles with, that's what we've chosen to do through all of quarantine. Our neighbors behind us, our kids play together and, and, and work from home. And, and so we're not really around other people too much. So they're coming over for, to share a meal. Because there is just something that helps us move from acquaintances to friends, to family, when we share a meal together. So who could you eat with that is far from God? A coworker, a neighbor, a family, a friend? And I get it, it's really hard in this season, but I still believe one of the best ways that we can listen and, and, and help someone be blessed by get to know them is to share a meal with them. You know, if you are willing to go in public and, you know, go to a restaurant, then, you know, meet a friend there or, or meet for coffee. Ask God to grant you opportunities to share a meal with others. Uh, the S is to serve your neighbors. Respond to the needs of others in practical, impactful ways. In the early church, there was a pandemic that hit the Roman Empire, and some historians think that up to a third of the people died and people were so freaked out by this pandemic that when people had symptoms, they would just throw them out the front door and let them die on their own because they're so scared. And there were no writings from their theologians of Aristotle and Plato. There were, there were no instructions by the Greek or Roman gods to show compassion on the weak and the sick but there were these followers of Jesus who remembered they served a rabbi who could heal with a word, but when a woman with the issue of blood who for 12 years had been unclean, which meant no one had touched her or hugged her or shown any affection for 12 years, you know, he's willing to call her daughter. 
And she was healed when she reached out and touched the hem of his garment. When there were people who suffered with skin conditions, who made them unclean, he reached out and he touched them. And so those early followers of Jesus, what did they do? They didn't stay scared and, and freaked out, but they actually put their lives on the line to take in sick people who were dying from this plague early on. And that's one of the reasons the early church exploded in growth. One of the reasons we have hospitals today is because these early followers of Jesus started these hospitals to take care of people of the sick and the dying. I'm not saying that you have to throw all caution to the wind, but followers of Jesus, we lead with faith, not fear. And so we just, we ask, how can I serve my neighbors? Again, maybe it's simply letting your neighbor know, hey, I'm going to Costco. Can I make a run for you? And then I'll, you know, drop it off on your front door where you don't have to touch or have any contact. You know, we talked about the Venmo app. Maybe it's giving someone $5 to, to grab Starbucks coffee. Uh, you know, maybe during the winter, it's shoveling your neighbor's driveway or using your snowblower. There's lots of ways we can serve those around us but I want to encourage you to, to really think through that lens of, you know, how am I reaching out to those who might be sick, who might be suffering from mental illness and just and spiritual darkness right now? And the last S on the bless is to share your story. That's what we're really focusing on today, is share how does your story connect to the story of Jesus and what he's doing in your life with other people. This week, if you want to read Acts chapter 26, the Apostle Paul is under trial. And, and he claims citizenship as, hey, I'm a citizen of Rome. And so, so he wants to stand trial and he goes before the governor and King Agrippa and he shares his story with, with passion. And he, and he talks about, you know, this is who I was. And then I had this dramatic encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he knocked me off my high horse, and now I'm a follower of Jesus, and this is how God has changed my life. And that story impacted the king and the governor and so many. Because everyone loves a good story because a good story has echoes of the eternal truth of God. And your salvation story is no different. There are no boring salvation stories. Each and every one contains really the same parts. God, sinful humanity, the crucified king, faith, and mission. See, the triune God created us for his glory, but seeking our own, we were separated from him. But God the Father sent his son to die in our place for our sins, so that after rising from the dead and ascending to the right hand of the Father, sinners could respond to his gracious offer of salvation and receive power for the mission of bringing the kingdom of God to earth. If you've been saved, this is your story. But it's not actually your testimony, it's actually God's story. See, when we talk about our story, we want to talk about how Jesus is the hero. See, it is so easy to say, you know, I, I once was this way, but, but now, you know, I, I'm, I'm this because I've, I've done something. Look how I've changed. But as Christ follows, what we want to say is, look how he changed me. Not how I changed myself or I turned my life around. That's what makes your testimony, your salvation story, different than really any other story. It's what has God done to change you. So real quick, my homework for you this week is to really maybe write out your salvation story if you've never done that. And then I'd love to encourage you in your small group or maybe you have a little triad of a couple friends or just one other close friend you challenge each other to share kind of a five-minute version of sharing your story. 
And maybe you're with a coworker. Maybe you know, you're on a trip someday or, or you just encounter someone and they're sharing their story with you and you have five minutes to just share them some kind of your story. Well, kind of three parts is, number one, just when you're writing this down, kind of the before. What did your life revolve around? Maybe it was all about your career. Maybe it revolved around fear and anxiety. Maybe it was an addiction. You know, where do you get your security or your happiness from? How did these things begin to let you down when you realize you couldn't work enough to fill that void in your heart? You know, that, that the bottle always let you down. That pornography never f- left you feeling fulfilled, whatever that might be. And then the moment what was your initial reactions to the gospel, to the good news that you don't have to earn salvation, that Jesus simply died on the cross for your sins, and all you have to do is to receive that free gift? And then how did your stance towards the gospel and the message of Jesus change? And then after, what is your life like now? You know, that life isn't perfect, but here's how Jesus is changing me. Maybe a specific example of how, how Christ uh, is changing you and, and renewing your life. You know, uh, you know, I used to be held in the grip of anxiety and worry and depression, but then when I met Jesus and I, and I realized that he died for me and that he loves me so much, well, now it's not perfect and there are days that I have depression or anxiety, but Jesus helped me walk through those and I know that I'm not alone in those dark moments and, and Jesus is healing me and, and moving me towards joy and, and forgiveness, and then you can tell someone that you too can make that change. That you too can know that you are loved and forgiven. And here's the thing, it's totally normal to feel some fear about sharing your story. Just remember, the Holy Spirit promises to empower us when we witness his grace. In Acts 1.8, Jesus tells his early followers to wait and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I believe this week, many of you are going to have opportunities. Maybe it's on a Zoom call. Maybe it's, you know, next to someone whose cubicle you share. Maybe it's, you know, on a phone call with a fan member. And you have an opportunity just to share a little bit of your story. You 